Yes, people. Welcome to another week, another episode of Echo Chamber, and let's get into the UK box office top 10 for the week of the 10th to the 12th of January. At number 10, still doing its thing, is Knives Out. Still still in there Clinging on by its nails At number 9 We got cats people At number 8 It's spies in disguise Another clinger Hasn't defrosted yet At number 7 It's frozen 2 At number 6 It's the Yeah Highly enjoyable Jojo Rabbit At number 5 Another Another long term fixture You got Jumanji The next level At number 4 We've got The Gentleman At number 3 It's Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker At number 2 It's Little Women and killing it at number one It's 1917 people Yo the crazy thing is This week We have got Four Disney films Four Disney films In, in the top ten man Um Yeah It's kind of cool Like two Sony films you know what I mean? And then there's uh, Universal, Lionsgate, Entertainment, and E1. Oh, they're facts that you probably didn't want. But anyway, people, yo, this is a bumper, bumper episode. We've got four friggin' reviews, man. Two new films, um, reviews that you haven't heard before. And we are going back to London Film Festival as we have two films making their um, debut this week that we saw then. Alright, so, um, yeah, people, we got Bombshell, Just Mercy, Waves, and Uncut Gems. So, enjoy, but before we get to that, we gotta. Throw you a little something of this. So enjoy. Okay, people, did you know that Monday the 27th of January marks Holocaust Memorial Day and the 75th anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz? I mean, I'm shocked. It's the 75th anniversary. It, it It's crazy It's been that long But really You know when you think about it That's still not that long ago That all of that happened All of that went down Well On Tuesday the 28th of January To you know Mark this Just Huge anniversary and just that, you know, momentous occasion will be the UK premiere of Quezon's Game. All right, so 
This tells the incredible and seldom told story of Manuel Quezon, President of the Philippines, who in 1938 opened his doors to Austrian and German Jews escaping fascist European regimes and who went on to save approximately 1,300 Jewish people, which will be you know, the film's going to be coming out on the 31st of January But, yes, you can see it at the UK premiere on the 28th Okay, so this will be happening at the Troxy Cinema The screening is accompanied by a live orchestra And... It will also include a special performance from Shalem, the first Hasidic Jew to be signed to a major record label. So, that's, you know, pretty, that's a pretty impressive, you know, premiere, right? Um, The doors open at 6.30 and um, there will be details in the episode information um, on, you know, with the links and everything like that. Okay, so the ticket prices are VIP is £88, silver is £55 and bronze is £33. Okay, so... um. You know, if you want to be there, then, uh, you know, because, yes, we, we've, as I said, look, it's a live orchestra. You've got Shalom Lemur and Rachel Alejandro. You know, so this is pretty big. And, you know, you'll be able to find out about just this incredible story that no one really knows. You know, that's the crazy thing. People don't really know about this. Which is insane. You know, it's crazy that this isn't just a well-known story. You know what I mean? So, um, yes, uh, go to the episode and you will find all the relevant information there. Well, if you are a fan of horror films, people, you won't want to miss this. That's right, the Final Girls Berlin Film Festival has now announced its 2020 program of features, shorts and events. Yes, the fifth edition of the Final Girls Berlin Film Festival will be taking place between the 6th and the 9th of February at the City Kino Wedding. So this will continue to raise the bar by showcasing horror written, directed and or produced by women and non-binary filmmakers. Okay, so Ellie Liu, who is the festival co-director, 
is calling this year's festival edition the most expansive and international yet. Presenting a wide array of films by visionary filmmakers that represent the diversity and originality that can be found in the current horror landscape. The exciting program features eight curated short blocks and nine feature films, a horror-inspired self-defense workshop, kind of crazy and exciting, right? An exhibition, a festival party with multimedia drag performances, and specialist talks on horror martyrs, made-for-TV horror, female monsters, and bad mothers in Mexican horror cinema. Haha. <laughs> okay, so um Sarah Needoff, the other co-director, you know, she says horror is a very elast- elastic term. Okay? And um they're really excited to discover films that make us question and expand our conceptions of what horror can be, both in ways that are distant from and uncannily near our own realities. So, um, yeah, sounds good, right, people? It sounds good. So, you can um, find, you know, all the information, the links, and the trailer link, all in this episode's, um, you know, details. So go to that, check out, you know, all the links to the website, and find out, you know, what you might want to go see between the sixth and ninth of February in, uh, you know, in Berlin. All right, cool. Okay, people, now we've taken care of business, we can get to the reviews, alright? So, we're going to start off with Just Mercy, then we're going to go to Waves, then we start with the new shit, right? So, we've got Bombshells, and then we're going to bring things home with Uncut Gems. So, yo... Sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride, people. Okay, people, so I've just come out of um, Just Mercy. This is the new film by director Destin Daniel Creighton. Uh, It was produced by Jill Netter, Asher Goldstein, and Michael B. Jordan. Uh, it was written by um, Destin Daniel Cretin and Andrew Lantham. And the film is starring Michael B. Jordan, Jamie Foxx, Rob Morgan, Tim Blake Nelson, Rafe Spall and Brie Larson. Um, the music was by Joel P. West, cinematography Brett Porlock. And the um, the gist of the story is this. 
Fresh from Harvard Law School, fledgling attorney Brian Stevenson, played by uh, Jordan, defies the wishes of his parents who are concerned about the notoriously racist South when he ventures to Alabama to open a law practice to support death row inmates, routinely denied proper legal counsel. Meeting with a variety of prisoners, Stevenson soon encounters Walter Johnny D. McMillan, played by Fox, a black man accused of the brutal murder of a white teenage girl, an allegation he vehemently denies, with numerous factors clearly supporting innocence. Despite Johnny D.'s scepticism that he will be afforded due diligence by corrupt system, Stevenson hires local advocate Eva Ainsley, who's played by Larson, and mounts an urgent case for a retrial, uncovering a chain of injustices and crucial oversights as they search for the truth. Um, it's adapted from Brian Stevenson's own best-selling memoir, director Destin Daniel Creighton's methodical and interrogative approach paints a searing and often infuriating portrait of the fight for justice in the face of structural racism, which feels all too timely nearly three decades after the case in question. Driven by powerhouse performances from Jordan and Fox, who are ably supported by a stellar cast, including Larson, Rafe Spall, and O'Shea Jackson Jr. This is cinema at its most inspiring and essential. So this is a really compelling story. You know, and I, I think when you get these films that are, are based on like true happenings, you know, something that has really occurred. You look at it and you're just like, how did this happen? And what were the consequences? You know, because when something like this occurs, people are consciously, you know, they're consciously doing something to pervert justice. So it's always like you want to know, like, what is the fallout? Like, how did it happen? What's happening to the people that made it happen? You know, I think that's that's a big thing that you kind of you want to see. So yeah, it's so it's like watching a film. We it starts off, and we have um, you know we have Walter at work. Then he's just driving home, and then we see him get arrested. Then it kind of jumps to um Jordan. Um, you know, Brian, as he's interning while at uni and then setting up the office, you know, speaking to his parents and moving and getting things started with um, Eva. 
And so we're, we're seeing all of this stuff happen. And yeah, it, it's it's really interesting. But also, there is a, a, a feel of a, a Sunday matinee film that you might have on TV. You know, like, it's kind of safe. Yeah, I mean, that's the kind of vibe that I was kind of getting from this. Um, We're seeing things occur, like things that aren't right. Like, um, so when Brian first goes to the, the prison... To speak with the prisoners on death row. He's made to strip search. And like lawyers don't get strip searched. Right. But there was this one white cop. Who is an asshole. And he's making him do this. For no reason. Like for no reason. Um. But the thing that I, you know, you wonder, okay, it's like he's a lawyer, so surely he can make a phone call. Yuri, because he went, we see him then go to the DA's office. So you just like, why didn't you just go to the DA? Why didn't you make a phone call? Why did you do that? And like, there's certain things that don't get explained. Because, you know, I think everyone's wondering, why did you strip? Because you probably didn't have to. So it's it's not quite clear, but it, it feels like that scene is there to hammer home the inherent racism of the area. Which then, like... It creates another feeling about the film. Because. Look we know. Like this is dealing with a racist case. But if you're going to do these things. Show these things. Without an explanation. And especially when. There's a question to why. It it, it feels like you're treating the audience like idiots. You know, it, it, it's very black and white. You're, you're playing like everyone is dumb. So I feel that there should have been some explanations at times, you know, to why certain things. Like another problem I, I, I have a feeling I kind of had was sometimes the conversations didn't really feel like conversations it kind of felt like people are having monologues with each other and they're having kind of these righteous conversations you know so they're talking and but they're hitting all these certain words within this conversation you know which is just a bit like Mm, re- like really that's that's what's being said that's how you're doing it 
Hmm. I don't know. I don't know about that. And yeah, it's just a little bit like it, it just plays a little bit false, a little bit odd in that respect. Right? It's still very interesting. But like we then, you know, during the film, we see the racist cop that makes him strip search. Now, all of a sudden, he's being really nice and thoughtful to, um, like, Walter. He's helping him out. And you're just like, wait, what? So, what brought about this change? How do you go from making... Uh, you know, Brian Strip for no reason to then this. Not explained. Like, Brian gets pulled over for no reason. But he doesn't then go to the police office. He doesn't talk to the DA. There's no following that up. Which you think that's odd. Because he's fighting injustices. And, you know, if the police can pull him over, that means they can, they're pulling anyone over. Which then leads to people being in jail and everything like that. So you're just like, but surely he would follow that up. Because that's an example of systematic racism. But he doesn't. Which is like. Huh, that's, like, why? That doesn't make any sense. I'm a bit baffled. And so, yeah, we have these kind of things. Like, there's an incident in it when, um, so they're trying to prove um, some evidence in Walter's case is, is wrong. And they find out that they did something to a guy to get him to give false testimony. So they just put him up on, um, they, you know, they, they, they put him up on the stand. But they just go, did you give false testimony? No, I didn't. And that was it. And it's just like, but why didn't you say what was done to him to make him give that testimony? Because that's part of the evidence. That's a big part. That shows a corruption in the system. But they didn't. Which is, is very weird. You know, because it's just like, by showing what was done to him, it, it, you then can't question what he says. So, it, 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 but these things weren't explained. Like, if there was a certain reason and they told you that within the context of the film, you know, it makes sense. You'd be like, okay, that, yeah, yeah, okay, I see. But they didn't. So, it's all very kind of sanitized. It really did feel slightly sanitized which is a real shame like the the music 
in the film is nice. It's nice music. I didn't have an issue with the music. But they're playing it in certain scenes. And it's just like, ah. Uh, like, because it's, it's, it's then becomes a bit false because you know why they're playing the music. You know what they're doing with this music. And it it's, again, it because it adds to this, oh, we're painting the film like this. And look, if, if you just told the story, I think everyone's going to think, okay, this is a messed up story. This is some crazy ass shit. No one's going to doubt that. So you don't need to show things in such a, a kind of black and white way. You don't have to ham things up in this fashion. So, yeah, I mean, because that's the thing that you get. Some of the acting was a little hammy. Like Jordan and Fox... Sometimes they're just a little bit hammy. And, like, there's a lot of shots that linger on them. You know, and it's just like, ah. You know, it's just like, ah, it's just a bit too much, man. It's a bit too much. Or then, you know, there's the shot of Jordan going through files, sitting at his desk late at night. And you're just like, okay, yeah, we get it. Like, we, we really get it. You don't need that. And, you know, the film's 136 minutes. So it's just over two hours. But, yeah, it definitely feels... There's points that seem to drag a bit. That they... Yeah, they... they you know, I, I kind of think a little more editing could have been done. To um make it a bit more concise. Or make it run a little bit better. Ah, but you know what? Tr- listen, there, there was um a guy. Don't know what publication he was from. He's sitting next to me, and he was in shock. You know, he's like covering his face. He's like, "Oh my god, no, no, they didn't. Oh man." And like when he, I, I remember when the film finished, he's just like, oh, 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 that was a roller coaster. I'm just like, okay, but you know that goes to show, right? So I'm a kind of, I yeah, I believe, I you know, I get it. I can be a bit cynical, and yeah, I'm saying that I feel this felt a bit sanitized. A bit Sunday matinee, a bit preachy, a bit worthy. That guy thought this was powerful as hell. So, look, we all have different perceptions. So, you know, if I I would say, look, if you read this, if you read the um the description of the film, and you think, oh. That sounds really interesting. Go check it out. You know? Go check it out. Why not? But, yeah. I don't know. Like, uh, here's a good one for you. If you really enjoyed Black Klansman, 
you will really enjoy this. Because I was a bit the same with Black Klansman. You know what I mean? Listen back to the review. Yeah, I was a bit like, ah, it's a bit sanitized. It's a bit easy. It's, it's very safe. But again, like, loads of people loved it. So, yeah, I would, I, that is the benchmark. If you really enjoyed Black Klansman, you will really enjoy this film. So, to, um, to be able to see it, it is showing um, on Wednesday the 9th of October at quarter past two um, at the Odeon Lux Leicester Square. Now, the website is stating that it's only got stall tickets available. But you know the drill, people. I've said it a lot. There are returns, so I, you know, what I mean, check out, check out the website. Um, call the, you know, call the BFI, pop into the BFI. But if you you get to the venue forty five minutes before, there are returns, so there's there's still a chance. But there, you know, there are tickets. It's just in the stalls. But if you want it further back, there's that possibility. So, yeah, there you go. So, this was Just Mercy. Um, it's from Destin Daniel Creton. He directed it. He um, co-wrote it with Andrew Laneham. It was produced by Jill Netta, Asher Goldstein, Michael B. Jordan. And it is starring Michael B. Jordan, Jamie Foxx, Rob Morgan and Tim Blake Nelson. Ralph Spiel, Brie Larson, and yeah, in the in the you know in the breakdown it does mention O'Shea Jackson. He's not really in it a lot, but yeah, he is in it. So there you go, people. Just mercy. Okay, so I've just seen Waves. This is the new film written and directed by Trey. Ad, sorry, Trey Edward Schultz. It's produced by James Wilson and Kevin Turun. Um, and it's starring Kelvin Harrison Jr., Lucas Hedges, Taylor Russell. Um, the gist of the film is this. Popular high school athlete Tyler, is played by Harrison Jr., um, lives in... A seemingly privileged life, an all-star wrestler with a loving girlfriend and a supportive, affluent family. He spends his days training and his nights partying. But beneath the fragile veneer of perfection, cracks are beginning to show. Under constant scrutiny from his overbearing father, ignoring the reality of a potentially serious shoulder injury, and reeling from an unsuspected development in his romantic relationship, Tyler's world looks set to implode. As the pressures around him steadily mount, a series of events are put in motion which threaten not only Tyler's happiness, but also the lives of the people he loves the most. To give too much away would risk spoiling the unforeseen complexities of this devastating family drama, which constantly surprises and astounds with its bold narrative 
ambition and bravura uh, visual language. Um, once again, Schultz continues to prove himself one of contemporary cinema's most distinctive filmmaking talents, crafting an intricate tale which is at once bracingly experimental yet always emotionally accessible. Hmm. You know, I I, I feel that is um that is all true, and. The, this film, it looks incredible. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the the big, big, big takeaways from Waves. It looks phenomenal. You know, um, yeah, just I think the way it's shot, the colors, they are all fantastic. They're all fantastic. Um, we definitely do get a sense of... Um, we definitely get a sense of a, a situation with the father. Um, and and it's I feel it's probably stuff that we've seen in, in this type of... Of film. Um, then we get the partying. And everything like that. So I believe. Like the beginning of this film. It comes off. A bit like a frat movie. You know what I mean. Something of that kind. But. Just with this. Really slick. Really slick. Production. I mean, it looks so crisp. Real nice cinematography. Um, all of that. And, of course, like, the soundtrack is great. So, it isn't surprising to learn that Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross were behind it. Because that makes perfect sense, you know. Um so it's really good from that point of view. The, I think a, a a problem with this though is it really comes off as two films put together, two films put together, and it doesn't. It, I I think it doesn't build up. The characters enough, so it's hard to really care about the things that happen with um, Tyler. Like we see Tyler, we see Tyler a lot. You know, the first I don't know. Um, I'd probably say the first hour is probably devoted to Tyler. And he's, boom, center stage. Like, we, it's all about Tyler in that first part of this film. And, um, yeah, so, so we get a lot of him, you know. Um, and I think that is a little detrimental to then the second half of the film. Because although we, we see them, yeah, 
obviously we see them you know i mean for the most part all of them are around at the beginning but we just don't know them so it, it, it then brings the thing how do we care how do we care like um taylor russell taylor russell you know she's great I, I think the way she shows emotion and, and her acting is really good. But we don't know her enough to fully care. And it takes a lot for us to really become invested in her character. Um, so, you're, and, and that's the big thing with Tyler. We see Tyler. He's all over the first half of the film. We know certain things. We know he's a wrestler. We know he's working very hard. We know that um, he's got a girlfriend. We know that his dad is pushing him really hard to be the best wrestler, to be the best person he can be. You know? We know this. We know he likes to party. But that's all we know. We, 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 don't, we don't know anything else. You know? So, it's like, towards the end of the first half of the film, there's an, the, the, he has an argument with his mum. And certain things come out in that argument, we just don't know. So, it's just a bit like, oh, huh. Interesting. That seems a revelation. I did not know any of that, and that seems and that's problematic because the the full impact of certain things. It's just it's just stuff we then see. It, it, it's hard to really fully impact. I mean, the biggest thing, that, the, the biggest impact was the, the, the sound of the impact with the floor. That was the biggest thing. And you're just like, <gasps> oh. So, uh, yeah, that, that was the biggest shock. Other than that, the, the, it, it was just like, ugh. I mean, I could see where that bit was going, but I didn't really care, to be honest with you. So then we get into the second half of the film and we're getting a lot of emotion from the characters now. But we just don't know them. We're like, we really know nothing. So there's no, em there's no real empathy. You can understand that the situation isn't great. I mean, it's more than just not great. It's terrible, right? No, like you, you, you the, the people left behind. You can understand that, yo. This is not a good place to be in, and they are going through the ringer. They are, must be feeling shit. Understand that, but there's just nothing else. There's just nothing else, and that's a big shame. I feel, um, it, 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 it's very. F weird as well so the film's called waves but it just doesn't have just doesn't have the depth that i would have hoped and i would have liked 
right another weird thing is so lucas hedges you know he's really good lucas hedges is really good and look i might be wrong you know because it's hard to see sometimes certain things sometimes faces and stuff like that but it does look like lucas hedges there is a, a kind of a slight interaction with him and tyler at the very beginning that's what in a wrestling fight now i might be wrong but i believe that that did happen which is interesting because if it if that is the case it's never referenced never really referenced but the yeah the second half of the film it's nice now they replicate certain shots like in the car driving because there was a scene with um tyler and alexis alexa in the car driving and singing and we have that again with um emily and uh, gosh i forget lucas's character's name but yeah we get a similar scene and then everything that goes you know with lucas with with his dad and all of that it is it's emotional obviously but yeah like we we haven't seen enough we don't know enough about them for it to be a a, you know a, a real impact on us the same with Tyler's dad and his mum, all of that. So it's just a shame that that wasn't wasn't given more thought. Um, we also, you know, you you do feel that um, there is a um, there, there's just a bit of a disconnect in certain things, like. Yeah, in some sort of ca- in some of the characterations, it's just like I think, as I said before, it, it, it's very it's well shot. Cinematography is great. It's very slick, but substance-wise, there could be more. You know, it, it, there could be more because these are big topics that are dealt with very big topics very important and it's yeah it's just a bit of a shame it's it's just a bit of a shame i would say but um you know i don't know like what else can you do right so the film is 135 minutes and i did notice it was over two hours you do i did find myself being a bit restless um during this so it probably could have been shorter um but listen if you like these actors then yeah definitely check the film out because they do give very good performances right um again as i said look the score is great the cinematography is great it's a very slick film so if you are interested in the topics in the themes yeah you might want to check it out um so uh your your next opportunity is um 
I think it's just Sunday the 13th at 8.30, and that is the View West End. But, as always, check the um, episode details, and all the information will be there, okay? So, this is Waves from uh, director and writer Trey Edward Schultz, um, and it's starring Kelvin Harrison Jr., Lucas Hedges, and Tyler Russell. Okay. Okay, so Bombshell is the new film from director Jay Roach. He also produced it along with Charlie's Ferron, AJ Dix, Beth Kuno, uh, Margaret Riley, Charles Randolph, who also wrote the film. And um, the music is by Theodore Shapiro. Cinematography, Barry Arkroyd. The cast, the cast is incredible. We've got Charlie's Ferron, Nicole Kidman, Margaret Robbie, John Lithgow, Kate McKinnon, Connie Britton, Mark Duplass, Rob Delaney, Malcolm McDowell. Alison Janney, Alice Eves, Liv Henson, Ashley Green. It is just a a cornucopia of talent up in here, you know? So many good actors and actresses. Uh, So, the gist of the film, if you're... uh, unaware, it's based on the real scandal of Robert Isles. Um, Bombshell is a revealing look inside the most powerful and controversial media empire of all time, and the explosive story of the women who brought down the infamous man who created it. So yeah, this, this man has the potential to be a huge film. And I think I think with you know certain films that carry such a huge kind of legacy about them, sometimes they do get mired in like we wanna tell you this stuff. Look, this is important, and and it gets a bit preachy, and it gets a bit just mired in triteness. I have to say, like, Bombshell was able to avoid that. Yeah. Which I am really happy about. Because, yeah, there, there is always that fear. But, um, yes, this film kind of... And I think it's just, you know, Jay Roach, Charles Randolph, you know, they directed and wrote. So they're definitely a part of it. The, the acting, the acting was so good. And that really helps, you know. 
for the film to stand on its own two feet as something is um we do like one thing that I wasn't really expecting was the, the the breaking of the fourth wall that happens a few times, not a lot, but a few times that happens, which is interesting because I think with this you're not expecting that, you know, so it's just like ah okay, okay, and um. Yeah, so the film kind of starts off with, um, you know, Trump running for president. So, yeah, I think that's probably a big start of things. And then it kind of picks up from there because, you know, Megyn Kelly being, you know, such a, a, a huge part at that time at Fox... And her interactions with Trump that I think everyone knows they did they didn't get on. Didn't get on at all. Which definitely became a talking point. And so the film it looks at that. And um Yeah, so so we get to kind of get this insight into her. And while we're looking at that, the film kind of pivots to Fox and what's happening at Fox at the time, you know, like how are people being treated? Because it's like, what's the support of Kelly while everyone's going after her? So we kind of see that and that's our introduction into a lot of what's happening in the office like things start off kind of a little subtle you know there's so there's a little a few comments and stuff like that and then it kind of builds and builds from there with a um you know in a lot of the the, the talking about like skirt lengths and you know, some of the comments made to women in the office and, you know, all of this kind of thing. So you're just like, ah, right, 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 right. I see. Then while all of this is going on, you you have, you know, the, the, the other story from the time, you know, the Gretchen Coulson situation. And so we see that. Plus, there's the manoeuvring internally. You know, because Margaret Robbie's character, like Kayla Pospisili, you know, that's not a real character. But she's used to kind of transition from Gretchen to below Riley to Isles. So we get, you know, now we're in the whole cross section of the organization. And yeah, so so we're seeing a lot. We're hearing a lot. And and you're kind of seeing how a lot of people are acting. 
to survive or, you know, like McKinnon's character, Jess Carr, and how she is becoming a chameleon to try and get through things in the office. So all of this is very, yeah, it's very interesting. But the acting is what stands out so much. You know, there is so many incredible performances here. You know, like, you know, Ferron is great as Kelly. Like, Kidman as Coulson. Just superb. Like, and then you've got um, Connie Britton as, as Beth Isles. And the way, you know, she plays that role, which definitely can't be an easy role. And you're just, you wonder about, like, man, what was that woman thinking? You know what I mean? Like, how did she navigate life? Because surely she had an insight, right? So, yeah, like, John Lithgow as Robert Isles... Really, now, we all know John Lithgow, you know, third rock from the sun, John Lithgow, the acting chops this guy has shown over the years is incredible, this performance, like, aesthetically, you, you wouldn't know it's Lithgow, you know, I didn't know it was Lithgow, it is just such a, whoo, so freaking good, man. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Like Rob Delaney. Rob Delaney is always just charming and just great. And uh yeah, I, I, I think you like his character works and I like you know how they show him in different situations. You know, um, Mark Dupass is Douglas Brunt, Kelly's husband. Again, another really well-played part. Like, so, there's so many in this film. Like, you know what I mean? You, you miss people out, but it's just, like, everyone came. You know what I mean? Everyone stood up to the plate with this. Like, I, I, it's hard to kind of think... Yeah, that person wasn't great. Because to, honestly, I think everyone really did a fantastic job. Like Liv, Liv Hewson, you know. And a lot of people know her from Santa, Santa Carter Diary, Diet, the zombie thing on Netflix with Drew Barrymore. She's very good in this. You know what I mean? So, yeah, we, we have these Fantastic performances. This great script. There, now, there were a, a, a few things in the film that I thought, you know, you're like, ah, is that? 
like I, I remember towards the end there's this conversation that Kelly has like Megan has with Kayla and I'm like the the conversation itself isn't something that I think I don't I don't believe that happened or anything like that one of the things that is a little bit hard to kind of get behind is the conversations in the office itself you know because if you're trying to be discreet if you're try going like yeah we have to be careful the way we handle this it's talking to people in the office and especially people who you never normally talk to you know Trust me, like, I've been in situations, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, some, like, mass um, illegal redundancies. And, and then everyone's talking and it's all kind of like, oh, what's going on? And then it all gets reversed and it's just like, ah, you know. And you couldn't really talk in the office. So everyone would, like, you know. You'd meet outside in the waiting, you know, at lunch and shit like that. But yeah, you're not meeting smack bang in the office and having certain conversations. So that was a little, mm, I don't know. I think also, like, the, these horrible things were happening for sure. You know what I mean? These things were happening. But, like, women knew. So this is the thing. There was a lot of women that knew exactly what was going on. But no one really said anything about it. Like, I think the biggest being, um, you know, Ailes' secretary... Like, you know, that's a cra- that that was a crazy thing, but no one um, ever kind of addressed her, which seemed, yeah, that one seemed an odd situation. Because like, no one's talking about it. No one's talking to her. No one's saying, hey, what's the, what's the deal here? You know what I mean? And, and you kind of feel, yeah, but they would, right? Someone would have said something. Like, no one's just going to let that go. So it, it was a weird that that never kind of got brought up in the film. I kind of feel, um, and then it's just, well, it's funny seeing Kelly as, like, you know, a kind of hero of the piece, especially, like, the shit that we know about Megan Kelly, like, they do, um, so the whole White Father Christmas thing gets, a slight mention at the beginning, but yeah, that essentially that's 
it on like Kelly's odd antics and the shit that she said. But that's the only thing that kind of made the film. So it is kind of like everything that you know about her and then seeing this narrative, it's like, huh, interesting. But, but, I understand. Look, you're not trying to bog the film down. Um, You know, you're just trying to tell one story, which is fine. And as I said, look, this it is done very well. You know, the, the the way everything's been lit, like the different angles that we're getting and the, the you know, the different types of shot. It is really well put together. Really is. And it's interesting. You know, I don't think there's a point where you're just like God damn it. Like, how much longer? You know what I mean? Like, ugh. This is dragging so much. You know, it's um, 108 minutes. So, kind of, um, yeah. Under two hours. And it works. Works very well. So, I, I definitely would say this is worth going to see. You know? This is definitely worth going to see because Ink is an interesting story that's happened in our lifetime. You know, and and for it to for everything to go down the way it did, it's just like, oh shit. So I think mean, it's definitely worth seeing for that point of view, but just for some of these performances, yeah, you'll want to see it. You know, so um, yeah, go to your go to your cinema, go check it out. I imagine this will be around for a, for a little while. You know, I can imagine this being in the conversation for some of these awards and whatnot that will be coming up. But yeah, bombshell, new film from uh, Jay Roach. And it is starring just a wealth of talent, people. A wealth of talent. So, yeah, go have fun. Okay, people. So, yesterday I had the great opportunity to go see Uncut Gems. Um, Yo, this is the new film uh, directed by Josh and Benny Safadi. They co-wrote the screenplay as well with Ronald Bronstein. Um, yo, the cast is incredible. Um, we've got Adam Sandler, Lakeithy Stanfield, Julia Fox, Mike Francesa. Adina Menzel, Eric Bogassin, um, yo, the weekends in it, and Kevin Garnett both playing themselves. Yo, people, people. Alright, so the the gist of the story is this. Howard Ratner, played by Sandler, is 
a once successful New York gems dealer whose gambling addiction has left his family and career in shambles and him hundreds of thousands in debt, always looking for the next big bet. How he thinks he finally hit it big when he discovers a rare uncut rock of Ethiopian gems. And he has a shot at putting together a high stakes bet that could lead to the windfall of a lifetime. In a precarious high wire act, he must balance business, family and adversaries on all sides in pursuit of the ultimate win. Oh my gosh, people. Oh my days, listen right, so I have just heard continuous good things about this film, you know, I haven't heard anything bad, and so, you know, like it's very, it's odd going into something when that's what you hear, because there is the worry that now your um, perception is so high. You know what I mean? The anticipation for this masterpiece, this amazing film. You know, because like oftentimes when that happens, you're disappointed. You know, because you're going in and what you actually see, it doesn't live up to all that hype that you've heard, Right? So that was, you know, that was the worry. And also, I've just heard, like, yo, the Safadi brothers are, like, the next big thing. That they're these great directors. So it's that, okay, what's this going to be like? And also, I didn't even know what this film was about, really. You know, I didn't really... Know the gist because I don't watch trailers, I don't do that shit. But look, I'd heard Sandler has given a masterful performance, and I do like Sandler in the non comedic roles. You know, Punch Drunk Love is one of my favorite Sandler films. That is, it's great, it's a great film. So, knowing that this was kind of like that, it was a more serious film, I was a bit like, alright, let's fucking go do it, you know, so, um, yeah, it, it was weird, so, you know, it, it was playing in the, uh, the studio in the BFI, now, NFT1, those that know, yo, that's the big screen, and it's great seeing films in there, but the studio is intimate, you know what I mean, and so, yo, this was great, this was a perfect film for that, because it has that weird feel to it, but I will get to that, okay, so, as I said, look, I didn't really know, like, the real gist of this, I knew it was a jeweler, but that, that's kind of it, I just heard bits and bobs, you know what I mean, little scrappets of information, uh, And so when the film opens, 
It's kind of weird. You know, because like the A24 and the other kind of logos and intro, it all feels a bit like a Commodore 64 computer game from back in the day. You know what I mean? It's, it doesn't feel high tech, it all feels mad retro and weird. Right? So we've got there's that. Like the logo of the film. It doesn't really, you know I mean, it just feels a bit off, right? So you have all of that. Then it kind of opens on this kind of psychedelic music and funky graphics and everything. And it goes into this whole kind of whole thing, you know, which is kind of like the history of the um this uncut gem. So you're watching this and you're just like what? Huh? Like what what's going on? What what is this? And look, I'm not saying it's bad, but you're kind of thrown off because you're not expecting it. Right? So we we have this kind of odd opening. And then it goes into the film, right? So then we're kind of introduced to um, Howie, Howard. uh, And you're seeing all of this and it's a bit like, oh, okay. Yeah, this is, um, this is interesting. You know, because it's just like, Weird. It's all weird. It's all ah, because it's it's uncomfortable. This is a really uncomfortable, claustrophobic kind of feeling film. So you're not like you're always feeling on edge. You're always feeling a little grimy, a little uncomfortable when you're watching it. Like, you know, it's not a happy film. It's not a, you know, it, it like tonally, it's kind of, um, it's kind of dark. It's kind of, you know, grimy, gritty. Oh, it's got that kind of tone to it You know, it's kind of like Thinking about like the feel of the film And the tone and all of that You know, it's kind of weird It's like, a you know There's kind of elements of Scarface in there There's elements of Casino, Goodfellas You know, it's definitely got this Yeah, just vibe to it and like the camera angles and all of that, it, it it's very in your face. It's very up close. You know, a lot of kind of weird angles, you know, looking down, looking up, kind of at a, at a, at a skew at what's going on. You know, what I mean, at Sandler doing his thing. 
Right, so yeah, we kind of got all of this, um, and it's great. <laughs> you know what I mean? It is so good, so good. There's like all of this. It really brings you into what's going on. You know what I mean? Like if this was a flash. Shiny film Oh, it just wouldn't have worked It wouldn't have worked You know, but you're Because you're feeling uncomfortable Because you're feeling that You really kind of get into the the mindset of Howard um, And just everything that is happening to him Because look, as, as, as it says in the blub You know what I mean? He's owing all of this money to numerous people. And, like, every moment you're seeing him, like, get chased by some people for money. Then, you know, he's placing bets. He's winning some money. And you're thinking, okay, phew, he's got enough to pay that person. I, I, but you're seeing him making these decisions, making these choices, and you're just like, what are you doing? What the fuck are you doing, man? This is, oh, god damn it, this isn't, yo, this isn't, ah, this is stupid. This is so stupid. It's like, you know, when you have that friend, right? Who keeps on making bad decisions You know what I mean it's, it's like Yo we definitely all know that person Who is in a great relationship Right Their partner is, is ride or die You know what I mean Got their back supporting them Helping them It's their cheerleader Right And then they fuck it up like they cheat on them With someone they don't even like And you're just like Why did you do it? And they're like I don't know I have no clue I didn't even like them But they're there They were there They offered it up And I just did it And you're just like Oh my god What? What? And that is the, how you're feeling about Howard all the way through. It's just like, what are you doing? What? Come on, man. Like, you know that's not wise. That's ridiculous. That's stupid. And we're just seeing... Bad decision after bad decision But on top of these bad decisions You're also just seeing Like certain people around him Kind of using him You know Like he's not great Let, Let's get that straight He's not great But yo some of the people around him Look they're not great either they're not great So you're seeing the way people are treating him And you can see How They perceive him Right You see that And you just You feel kind of sad for him You know what I mean You feel kind of sad for him But 
on the flip side of it all, you kind of feel as well, yeah, you're bringing this on yourself though, dude. You know what I mean? You, you kind of made this, son. You made this for yourself. You know what I mean? Like, what's the expression? You know, make the bed and you lie with the fleas. Whatever, whatever, whatever. It, it, you know, it's like that. It's like that. And so, yeah, like, all the way through, you're just, oh, it's, as I said, look, it's mad uncomfortable. But the beauty of it is, it's just, oh, there's so much. Look, it's the direction. The script is fantastic. The script is fantastic. Like, it's just some of the interactions. Yo, like, there's this scene with um, Howard and, uh, you know, and his wife, Dana. Um, and he, he's talking to her, you know, and, and he asks her a question. And she's just like, and she's looking at him and you're like, oh, and she's just like, and it's just what then she says. And you're just like, oh, man. And it was just perfect for that moment, for that scene. That, you know what I mean? Like, that, it just works so well. Like, how he interacts with his daughter and his sons. You know, like... How he's, you know, working with the people around him in the shop. You know, like Kevin Garnett. You know, Damani. Like that whole situation with Damani. Because, you know, you're, you go through... It's a roller coaster, people. Because, like, as I said, look, the people around him aren't great. And you're looking at some of the things that are done. And you're just like, oh, man, that's just... ugh. But... Then you kind of see why some of those things have happened. And you're kind of like, oh, Matt, he's like, ah, yeah, you brought that on yourself. You did that. You know, because at first we'll kind of show, like in Memento, you know, the um the Nolan film from back in the day with Guy Pierce, right? And at the beginning, you feel bad for him, but by the end, you're just like, oh, what a piece of shit! And so it's kind of like that. You're you're seeing these moments, and at first you're feeling bad, but then you're seeing the other side, and you're just like, okay, yeah, I I can see why that happened, you know, I definitely see why that happened. And so it's great, and it's just like, just these performances, like, there is no weak link here, like, as I said, look, Lakeith Stanfield as Damani is great, okay, like, I don't think I've seen him, like, just sucking in anything, like, he's great in Atlanta, he was great in Knives Out, and he's just killing it here, like, even, like, you might think that The Weeknd and Kevin Garnett are gonna be the weak link, and I heard some people talking about this, right, 
And this was before I saw the film. Um, and they're just like, oh, because they're playing themselves. But it's like Curb Your Enthusiasm. It, it, you know what I mean? It, 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 it's like those films when people, you know, like um, Steve Coogan um, and Rob Brydon in The Trip and Cock and Ball Story. It's like, it's that, you're like uber p- p- perception of that person so where they're playing themselves but it's that exaggerated version of themselves right so you might think that they would be the weak links but nah they're killing it too you know what i mean like i i i i'm just watching their performances and they're good performances. Like the way Garnett is, you know, interacting with, with Howie. It just works. It really does work. Right? So you've got all of these just killer performances. Julia Fox. Julia Fox just, you know, and she's playing Julia. Um just, yeah, really, like, again, like, the way you're viewing her all throughout the film is you're up and down with it all, you're up and down with it all, but she's just so good, so you have all these great performances, you have this great script, you know, the story is... You are so engrossed with the story. Jerry, like, it's not a crazy, fast, like, action-packed film, right? There are, there are these moments that happen in the film. But, you know, it, it's the way the, the, the story has been put together. The way it's all kind of chopped up. So you're seeing these different sides of things and everything and, it, and how it all comes together, right? It's just cut in this way that just keeps you enthralled. You know, it keeps you hooked all the way through. All the, like, there's no point where you're just like, ugh, oh, man, they should cut that. Like, I needed, uh, like, h- probably halfway through the film, I'm a bit like, ugh, I should go to the bathroom, right? I need to pee. But I'm not like, all right, no, 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 I'm going to hold it. I'm going to hold it. Just held it the whole way through. Just because I was so, I didn't want to miss anything. You know what I mean? I didn't want to miss anything. And also the cinema's dark and I didn't want to fall flat on my face. <laughs> you know what I mean? But no, the film is so engrossing. I didn't want to miss any of that. Oh, so yeah. It's just incredible. And look. I had heard this one bit of, you know, a a spoiler, and I was so pissed, because it came out of nowhere, this this person said it on a podcast, and it literally came out of nowhere, and everyone's just like, wait, what? Why did you just say that? And I was pissed. Now... 
because how the film is, I just, I thought they'd lied. You know, because you're watching a film and you're so engrossed, you're so with it. Like, I thought they had lied, right? So, man, the ending of the film, it catches you like, it's crazy. It is crazy. You know, you're just what? What the fuck? I you really do not know what the fuck to think come the end of this film. Like the, just the cinema was just fucking silent. Everyone is just looking at each other just like oh my god. That was incredible. Like everyone's just fucking amazed with what they have just witnessed. Like, no one was disgruntled, no one was just like, ugh, that was a waste of time, that was a letdown. Everyone was just blown away, just blown away. And so, yeah, you are kind of like, yeah, I'm surprised Sander didn't get nominated for this shit. Gary, that was an awesome performance. Like, Literally, everyone is given incredible performances. This film, yo, people, look, it is playing, right? So, um, I know it's all over the place, right, at the moment, and it is still screening at the BFI. So, it's running at the BFI until um, next Thursday. So, it's there until the 23rd. Um, I think it's playing at the Prince Charles, like the Curzon, you know what I mean, it's out there, it's out there, and I believe uh, it's hitting Netflix on, um, yeah, I think it's hitting Netflix on the 31st, alright, so, yeah, if you don't get to see it in the cinema, you can watch it on Netflix, but, it's just the sound, like, the soundtrack is, is great, the soundtrack is great, it is weird as well, though, ain't gonna lie, the soundtrack is fucking weird, so, you have that, um, and I think that, the cinema, you know, seeing it with a great sound system, and, you know, I think that does definitely enhance it, but, you know, if you want to wait for Netflix, yo, do your thing, people. Like, just watch it how, what you know, in the way that's best for you. But, people, watch this film. This is a great friggin' film. I've just really enjoyed this film. You know what I mean? Really enjoy it. It's, it's a roller coaster for real. It's a goddamn roller coaster. Oh man. Um you know, it's an 18. <laughs> so yeah. I mean just be you know 
definitely be aware of that. You 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 see some hard shit in this film, you know, like just from the giddy up, like you know what you see is just like oh my god, oh that is rough, you know. It's an hour and 35 minutes, so just over two hours. But as I said, look, you're engrossed all the way through, right? You're engrossed all the way through. Uh, And, all right, how are we going to break this down? I would say, people, if you, listen, like, if you just like good films, if you enjoyed, like, Goodfellas, Scarface, Casino um, Like all of that kind of shit You'll like this film Like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood um, Yeah, if you like Punch Drunk Club Right, if you like that You will like this film But Yo, it is not for the weak of heart this is a roller coaster and you're gonna get friggin' shocked. You will definitely get shocked. But yo, as I said, people, if you do get the opportunity, go see this film. It's incredible. Uncut gems from Josh and Benny Safadi. Um co-wrote it with Ronald Bronstein. And the cast, people, the cast. It is a tremendous cast. Sandler, you know, Julia Fox, Adina Menzel, Lakeith Stanfield, Kevin Garnett, Eric Bogasin, you know, Judd Hershey, Mike Freshona. Yo, incredible. Incredible. Go check it out. Amazing cinematography, yo, music, sound, all of that shit. Daniel Lapatine um did the music. Darius Kunji did the cinematography. Go check it out, people. This this is great. <laughs> Okay, people, so, yo, packed episode, right? Hope you enjoyed all the reviews, found them useful Yo, I I definitely have to kind of say Bombshell and Uncut Gems are phenomenal films So, I, you know, I couldn't recommend those two enough uh, yeah, and you know, the other two uh, They're not terrible, okay But, you know, you know uh, But, you know, like, listen a, a lot of people in both screenings very much enjoyed them And everyone I spoke to loved Waves So, you know, there you go, people But before we end this Let's hit you with a little bit of news, okay So, word has, uh, you know, come through some Instagram posts that work has finally started 
it seems, on the sequel to the the really fun Live, Die, Repeat, otherwise known as Edge of Tomorrow, um, which was like, yo, it was a great, you know, it was one of the films that had Tom Cruise kind of make his comeback with, uh, which came out in 2014, yo, you know what I mean, six years ago, man, it's crazy, but, um, yes, so the new film, it's, it should be directed by Doug Lyman, um, Matt Robinson has written a script, and, um, it's gonna be produced by Alison Winter, so at the moment, they are working out the beats of the film, making sure it all kind of works narrative-wise. So yeah, I, I can't wait for that to come out because if it's anything like the first film, this is going to be some fun shit. All right. So um, other news. Remember last year there was a lot of talk of Tarantino directing a Star Trek film Like he was saying that he had this this story, this concept And everyone's talking how it's like crazy original, it's different um, But Tarantino has now kind of, it looks like he's walked away from that um, And yeah, he won't be doing the new film but he's saying that he could, um, you know, he could well be consulting on it, you know. So yeah, it, it won't be what everyone was possibly wanting. Um, but yeah, he he could still be working on the project. Uh, also, looks like Billie Eilish. Is um, gonna be mumbling the new Bond film theme song. I mean, that's kind of harsh, right? That's kind of harsh. Um, yo, Eilish is going to be doing the new Bond film, uh, which is means she's the youngest artist ever. You know what I mean? To be doing this shit. So, yo, mad props to the chick. You know what I mean? Um, and yeah, you know, that like the Bond themes have always been kind of hit and miss. We've had some great ones, we've had some not so um, great ones, and we've also had like I really did feel that the Jack White Alicia Keys one was great, and people just didn't give it as much recognition as it should have gotten. But yeah, no, it's gonna be interesting to see what um, Eilish does, alright? Uh, now, we've got a lot of big festivals coming up, you know, which we always do every year, you know, so um, they have just started to announce um, their judges and their jury. And we, you know, we got some interesting ones. So um, next week, uh, we've got the kickoff of the Sundance Film Festival, and um, some of the jury members are gonna be Ethan Hawke, Dee Rees, Nanfu Wang, Isabella Rossellini, Rodrigo Garcia, um, Cindy Sherman. Ichai 
uh, Vashali and Emily Mortimer. So, um, yeah, you know, that that's diverse, that's interesting. Uh, also, Clay, Kate Blanchett is going to be presiding over the main competition jury of the Venice Film Festival that um, kicks off in September. Uh, so that's going to be real interesting. And I think the biggest news out of all of this is the fact that um oh also i missed jeremy irons is gonna be the president of the international jury at the berlin international film festival which um you know kicks off in march but as i said look the biggest news probably i will say spike lee I mean, Spike Lee is going to be presiding over the Cannes Film Festival jury. Uh, you know what I mean? That's big, right? He's premiered seven films at the festival. And he's going to be the first black filmmaker to preside in that position. So, yo, that's great. And especially with all the recent talk about diversity um, you know, representation. So, yo, gotta give, um, yeah, Cans finally doing that thing. Yeah, you know? so, um, that's pretty, that's good. You know, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be, right? <laughs> like, we shouldn't have that conversation. Uh, but unfortunately, when you know you look at how many cans have been and he is the first it, it's like yeah unfortunately we we have to say that so but yeah cool but people um the nominations have been announced for the 92nd oscars uh and yeah let's let's uh let's go through um yeah let's go through those right you know uh so we're gonna start best documentary short uh walk run cha cha st louis superman life overtakes me learning to skateboard in a war zone if you're a girl and in the absence so they are all the nominations for best documentary all right best live action short film we've got a sister saria the neighbor's window nafita football club and brotherhood they are all the nominations for best live action short film okay so best animated short film sister memorable Kitball, Hair Love, and The Sura. Yep, so they're all our best animated short film nominations. Um, best sound mixing. Okay, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Joker, Ford v Ferrari, aka La Man 66, Ad Astra, and 1917. That's the best sound mixing nominations. Now, best sound editing, Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Joker, 
Ford v Ferrari and 1917 they're our nominations for best sound editing okay so best visual effects Star Wars Rise of Skywalker The Lion King The Irishman Avengers Endgame and 1917 nominations best visual effects okay next up best costume design once upon a time in Hollywood little women Joker Jojo Rabbit and the Irishman they're our best costume design nominations okay so best makeup and hairstyling Maleficent mistress of evil Judy Joker bombshell 1917 that's our makeup and hairstyling nominations okay um best song okay so stand up from harriet into the unknown from uh frozen 2 i'm standing with you that's from breakthrough i'm gonna love me again that's from rocket man and I can't let you throw yourself away from Toy Story 4. There are the song nominations. Okay, so now we go to best score. So, John Williams, that's uh, Star Wars. Thomas Newman, 1917. Randy Newman, uh, Marriage Story. Um, Alexandre Desplat, Little Women, Hilda Godnadotu, uh, that's Joker, and that's the um, best score nominations. So, next production design Parasite, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Jojo Rabbit, The Irishman, 1917. They're the noms. Okay, best film editing, Parasite, Joker, Jojo Rabbit, The Irishman, Ford v Ferrari. They are the nominations, best cinematography, okay, Robert Richardson, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Roger Deakins, 1917, Jarina Blaschek, The Lighthouse, Lawrence Shearer, Joker, and Rodrigo Prieto, the Irishman. They are some great cinematographer nominations. So, now we've got Best Original Sco- Screenplay. Bong Joon-hoi and Hannah Jin-won for Parasite. Quentin Tarantino, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Sam Mendes and Christy Winston Karins, 1917. Noah Bambach for Marriage Story. Ryan Johnson for Knives Out. Okay, so Best Adapted Screenplay. Anthony McCartan, The Two Popes. Greta Gerwig for Little Women. Todd Phillips and Scott Silver for Joker. Tahiti Watiti for Jojo Rabbit and Steven Zillion for The Irishman. Some good nominations there. Best documentary feature 
Okay, Honeyland, Fasama, The Edge of Democracy, The Cave, and American Factory. Best international feature, this are the nominations, Parasite, South Korea, Pain and Glory, Spain, Les Miserables, France, Honeyland, Macedonia, and Corpus Christi, Poland. Okay, best animated features. Here are your nominations. Missing Link, Claws, I Lost My Body, Toy Story 4, and How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. So, here are the nominations for best supporting actor. Brad Pitt, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Joe Pesci, The Irishman. Al Pacino, The Irishman. Anthony Hopkins, The Two Popes. And Tom Hanks, For a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. The nominations for Best Supporting Actress. Margaret Robbie for Bombshell. Um, we've got Florence Pugh for Little Women. Scarlett Johansson for Jojo Rabbit. Lauren Dern for Marriage Story. And Kathy Bates for Richard Jewell. And the nominations for Best Actress. We've got Renny Zellweger for Judy. Charlize Farron for Bombshell, Saris Ronan for Little Women, Scarlett Johansson for Marie Story, and Cynthia Elvira for Harry Ott. Best Actor nominations, people. We got Jonathan Price, Two Popes, Joachim Phoenix. For Joker, Adam Driver for Marriage Story, Leonardo DiCaprio for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Antonio Bandaris for Pain and Glory. Alright, so, best director people, Bong Joon Hoi for Parasite. Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Sam Mendes 1917, Todd Phillips for Joker, Martin Scorsese for The Irishman, they're the noms, and now we get to the best picture, okay, so we got Parasite, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Marriage Story, Little Women, Joker, Jojo Rabbit, The Irishman, Ford v Ferrari, 1917. Have to say, doesn't make any sense that that has so many and every other category has five. You know what I mean? Because I'm like, if you're going to have that many for that, then... If we had more for the director and whatnot, maybe we could have avoided all this controversy. Um, and I will say, listen, people, 
everyone is you know saying there's no female directors right now as i said before with the golden globes people call out like you can't don't just say that shit say listen i think that this person did a better job than that person you know what I mean? Just stand up for your motherfucking convictions. Do that. But also, also, people, think about it. Shit doesn't change. And no one really gives a fuck, right? So either create some more awards that kind of go with the emphasis of representation. Do that. Or just don't give a fuck about this. You know what I mean? Just concentrate on producing great material. That should be the thing. But that's all I'm saying. Because I'm bored. Alright, people. This has been a fun one. We're done. We out. Enjoy your cinema visits, people. Peace.